John 5, 20 through 21. We know also that the Son of God has come and he has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true by being in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the one true God in eternal life. So children, keep yourselves from idols. When life feels uncertain and when our wants and needs go unmet, it's quick and easy temporarily comforting to grasp onto these momentary fillers. If only we had more money, more friends, more likes, more views, more experiences, more achievements, then we'd be happy and content. And the world wants to convince us that this is beneficial and this is what we should do. And after all, we don't look out for ourselves and who will? But Christ. We belong to an all-knowing, all-loving, all-powerful God who gave his everything so that we might live. And in return, he asks that we willingly give ourselves to him. And as we surrender ourselves and our thoughts, our actions, our time, our money, our relationships to the Lord, he saturates our souls and brings light and wholeness to our lives. If we turn our eyes up on Jesus, all the things of this earth will go dim. He is the true God and eternal life. down our idols so give us clean hands and give us pure hearts let us not lift our souls to another give us clean hands and give us pure hearts 
Let us not lift our souls to another. Oh God, let us be a generation that seeks, that seeks your face. Oh God of Jacob, oh God, let us be a generation that seeks, that seeks your face, oh God of Jacob. We bow our hearts, we bend our knees, oh Spirit, come make us humble. We turn our eyes from evil things. Oh, Lord, we cast down our idols. So give us clean hands. Give us pure hearts. Let us not lift our souls to another. Give us clean hands. And give us pure hearts. Let us not lift our souls to another. Oh God, let us be a generation that seeks, that seeks your face. Oh God of Jacob, oh God, let us be a generation that seeks, that seeks your face. Oh, God of Jacob. So give us clean hands and give us pure hearts. Let us not lift our souls to another. Let us not lift our souls to another. Worthy of every song we could ever sing. Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring. You're worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. Oh, we live for you. Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever save. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. Oh, we live for you.
put my trust in you alone, and I will not be shaken. Yes, I will build my life upon your love. It is a firm foundation. come into this place this morning with with the joys and with the weight of the week that we bring with us, that God, we would look to you. Speak to our hearts this morning, Father. Lord, talk to us in the things that we've put in front of, in front of you. Help us to realize that, God, it's through you and only through you that, Lord, we have life, happiness, joy, peace. Thank you for this time that we have together today, Lord. Thank you that we can come and, and sing and worship and be in a room full of people that we know love you and know love us. Thank you for this church family. Thank you for this church community. Father, help us to draw strength from what we hear, from what we see, from the conversations we have today, all of them, Lord, done with you at the center of who we are. Thank you for today. It's your name we pray. glad you've chosen to worship with us this morning. 
have something very important to kind of share with you as we get started today. A little bit of a, a little bit of history for those that are newer, such as myself. But when Amy and I first came and visited Marysville, we were impressed with how well you cared for your facility and the different updates that you had done, how attractive of, of, of a place you had created for those who might come and visit with us. And I got to know a little bit of the story behind that. And in 2018 and 19, you, you started what was called All In. And phase one of All In included uh, funding for uh, upgrades to the parking lot, some improvements to the steeple, some HVAC repairs, updating some of our classrooms, and then addressing our nursery and preschool classes downstairs. It's been about $54,000 on those projects. Then phase two began in 2019 with you 2020, where you addressed the north entrance and the welcome center, updated the bathrooms, created the well, or a place we could gather, as well as updated the flooring. And you spent about another $50,000 on that phase. All of this is additional giving above our tithes and our offerings. In 2020 and 2021, you did phase three, where you uh, updated the sanctuary, the platform, added the mother's nursing area, and created and did some flooring here in the sanctuary. Spent $35,000. And isn't God good? He continues to be faithful. And some of you since that time have continued to give towards all in, not necessarily knowing what was next. And I want to share with you today what's next. Phase four. Uh, we have already begun some phase four work. Perhaps you've noticed the dumpsters outside in recent weeks. And uh, we originally began some conversations amongst the staff uh, this past fall and in December. Uh, those conversations kind of uh, began to pick up some steam where some plans were put on paper. And we met with the board earlier this month and the board has approved us to move forward with phase four, which is addressing our upper sanctuary or our next gen worship space where our children and our teens gather each week. Uh, to grow and to be discipled. Uh, they meet in an area which many of you are familiar with, the original sanctuary that was built here in 1965, 58 years old. While there have been some updates throughout the years, there's parts of it that still look like they're 58 years old. Um, we have, it's been painted, there's new flooring, don't get me wrong, it's very adequate and nice, but we know today that growing churches in our community, on our district, and our denomination are those that are investing heavily in our children and youth. So we want to give you an opportunity for phase four to consider how you might invest in the next generation of our church and what God is doing in our community. It's no secret that Marysville is growing. It seems like every week, everyone I meet, we talk about the growth of our community, how new people are moving in, how new houses are being built, how housing prices continue to climb, but people still continue to come, how our schools are busting at the seams. Those schools represent families, represent people. And we have an opportunity right now in this window of time to put ourselves in a position to minister to them, to reach out to them. So we have uh, decided to go all in on phase four. And due to your continued generosity, we already had about $25,000 um, in, in our account. Uh, we had another memorial gift fund that we've utilized. We had almost $40,000 total to begin the work upstairs. Now, if you haven't looked up there in a while, we would encourage you maybe to peek your head in get an idea of what's going on. Uh, there's a lot of work to be done, from lighting to heating and cooling to electrical work. Uh, we're, we're dividing the space in half, creating a distinct worship area for our children and our teens. They'll have their own dedicated space. Uh, new flooring, uh, new, uh, new work to the original platform and stage. All-encompassing is going to cost us about between ninety dollars and $100,000. $40,000 already in hand. We still need to raise, if you do the math, about fifty dollars to $60,000. 
And we've already started the work as a kind of a step of faith. But know that we're not going to borrow money. This is all going to be um, just projects done as the money comes in. But we'd rather this not take a real long time. So we're asking you this week to take some time to, to pray about, God, how might you have us be all in as we support and encourage the ministry to our children and teens? Hopefully you've been paying attention, and we have been blessed to have had a lot of baby showers in recent months. Our church is growing naturally as well as spiritually. We're very excited about that. Those people are the ones that we're investing in now so that we have a place to minister effectively in the days to come. When people come and visit with children, we can show them how much we, we care about them. Now, it goes, we, we know that ministry goes beyond just the space. Don't get me wrong. But it is an important piece, and, and what we communicate goes a long way in whether people choose to stay or whether they choose to go. So I ask this week that you will consider, how might God have you invest in our next generation? And uh, my wife and I have already been praying about how we are going to be engaged in our first opportunity to be all in. Uh, we've already been contributing to all in just because we know it was something that was important to the church. We don't, didn't know what was coming, but now we're excited to see what this might look like in the days ahead. Uh, next week, if you want to peek in this week, you're welcome to do so. It's, it's kind of a mess up there, as you might expect, um, and, and that's a good kind of mess. But next week, it'll be a little bit further along where you can get an idea of what the space will look like and what we're aiming to, to do. And um, hopefully by then you'll get an idea of what it is you're investing in. But we're looking forward to seeing what God is going to continue to do in and through us as we as a church continue to be all in for him, whatever direction he might lead us. I just want to begin just a word of prayer that God would be with us, that he would speak to us, and that he would help us to know what it is we're to do in these days ahead as we consider the, these next steps. Would you join me just for a moment just asking God's anointing and his guidance in this process? Lord, this is not a new thing to you. And Lord, it's a big, big chunk for us to take on. But Lord, I see in this place stories of your faithfulness. I see, Father, accounts and testimonies of times you've shown up and met needs. I see lives that have been impacted by the ministry of this church. Some go all the way back to when that original sanctuary was built. Stories, Lord, they can tell. Lives that have been changed in that space. And we take this step. Lord, with anticipation of the lives that are going to continue to be changed in that worship space. So, Father, would you help us to know what it is we're to do, how you would have us to invest, what is it, Lord, do you would have us to give? How will you stretch us? We want our gifts to honor you. So, Lord, we just pray that you would um, help us, Lord, to know. We know, Lord, not all of us can give equal amounts, Lord, but whatever level of sacrifice you would call us to, help us not to be afraid of that. Lord, at the end of the day, it's for your honor and it's for your glory that we do this, Lord, to reach our children, our teenagers, our young people. And God, we look forward to the time we can look and celebrate and say, look what God has done. Isn't it magnificent? Isn't it beautiful? Not defined in a space or paint colors and carpet. But Lord, defined rather instead of the children, of the families, of the teenagers who are growing in their faith. Lord, be with us. As we are all in, would you guide and direct us? We just commit this to you. We're not anxious about it, Lord. We're not worried about it. This is your project. I pray, Father, you again would be honored and gloried in, in all of it, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So we just ask next week we'll have pledge cards for you to consider uh, what, what you might have on your heart, and we will just kind of move forward from there. We will keep you updated. We will share. Do we have some pictures? Have I already showed those? Did I show those? All right, thank you. I didn't, wasn't looking at the back screen. I should really pay more attention to what's in front of me sometimes. But um, so hopefully you got an idea of what's already started to happen. 
And we look forward to sharing more images and updates with you in the days ahead. Okay. Well, we're changing directions this week. We've been talking about resetting our, our, our hearts and our minds and our words and our hands these first few weeks of 2023. And now we're going to change gears a little bit, a little bit, because what we did previously in our, our conversation about resetting really just helps us kind of step into this next conversation we're going to have over the next six or seven weeks together. This is a topic that honestly is not going to be easy. Uh, it wasn't easy for me to kind of settle on. Uh, I was struggling in the fall of what to do this time of year. I, I knew what I was, where I was wanting to go for Easter. I even knew where I wanted to go after Easter. But th this time of year, I was really struggling. And one day, I just, was just studying and reading and praying and came across a simple word. And God stopped me and says, that's what I want you to talk about. And I argued with God. I don't want to talk about that. That's, that's too hard. When you get past the layers, it's, it's really challenging. But we're going to have this conversation about the gods that are at war for our hearts and our lives and our culture today. So imagine, as we begin this conversation, that you've been having um, this nagging cough in your life. And at first it was kind of inconvenient, but then it's starting to get a little bit worse. And now it's, it's constant. It just never seems to go away. You have these coughing fits. We've kind of all been there, I'm sure. But now to the point the cough is so bad it keeps you up half the night. You can't sleep. It interrupts conversations. You can't even talk with someone. Or you've coughed so much that it starts to hurt in your abdomen and your ribs. You can't laugh because of the coughing. Cough drops just aren't cutting it any longer. You go to the store and you find the strongest cough medicine you can find. Suddenly your cough improves. You're able to sleep again. You're starting to feel a little better. The cough syrup seems to have solved the problem. But what we don't realize is that we've only addressed the symptom. The cause still exists. The disease that came or led to the cough continues to grow and to spread. We're not really getting any better. We've just covered up what we thought was wrong. What we find is every week people come to church coughing, struggling, hurting, Stressed, worrying or medicating, avoiding or cheating, lusting, searching. We've gotten really good at covering up the symptom. But we found the cough syrup that seems to work. It makes us feel a little better. Yet underneath, the disease continues to grow. We come together every week and we're, we're weary and we're tired or perhaps frustrated or we're pretending or we're discouraged or we find ourselves alone or we're wounded and we're searching for answers to our symptoms, thinking that that's the real issue that we're facing. We think we have it all figured out. We come each week and address the symptoms so that we can avoid the real issue, the deeply rooted, heart-shaping disease that's slowly growing within us. Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27, we read, about the account of God's creation of man. And then God said in verse 26, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. So God created them, male and female, in his own image, mankind in his own image, in the image of God he created them. Verse 31, God saw all that he had made and it was very good. What God created in his image was very good. An image is where we begin this conversation because image is important in understanding where it is we're going to end up. 
several years ago, I, I felt impressed that the most significant issue facing God's people in Scripture is still the most significant issue facing God's people today. Inside the church and outside the church, this issue is still the same, and that issue is idolatry. Idolatry. Author Oz Guinness, uh, the son of medical missionaries to China, writes, Idolatry is the most discussed problem in the Bible and one of the most powerful spiritual and intellectual concepts in a believer's arsenal. Yet for Christians today, it's one of the most least meaningful notions. It's not something we think about. It's not something that we consider or take seriously. Well, think about that for a moment. The, the idea of idols, it seems kind of obsolete, like like old-time scriptural issue, not something we would deal with today. I mean, I don't know of anyone who bows before golden statues or, or kneels before carved images. It seems almost primitive, Irre irrelevant, like it doesn't matter today. Yet, idolatry is the number one issue discussed in Scripture. It's discussed in nearly every book. There's 50 laws in, in, in the first five books of the Bible that address idolatry. And it is, I believe, the illness or the disease that many of us ignore and don't even realize is eating us from the inside out. The reason we're going to spend so many weeks on this topic is because for some of us, God's really going to have to work to peel back the layers to show us what it is that we're truly worshiping. What idols have really taken root within us, what God's We've allowed to sit on the thrones of our heart. See, this war that's been going on for many has been waging for a long time. Every day, there's a battle for our attention, for our time, for our resources and our families. Some are easily recognized. Others are more subtle. But yet we allow them into our lives. And they feed off our true desires. At the end of the day, they, they come in because we let them in. Sometimes we even want them to come in. They feed off our hunger and our wants. We think they bring fulfillment and purpose, but before long they take control and they grip us tightly and they convince us that they belong, that they're needed. We find ourselves at war with these gods, little g gods, Rendering ourselves to the idols of food or sex, money, success, entertainment, comfort, technology, so much more. But just so you know, these conversations we're going to be having together these next several weeks, they might not be easy. And if this is a topic you're not interested in and you want to check out, that, that's fine. But I'm going to share what God's put upon my heart. And we're going to trust that God knows what he's doing. And we're going to hope that he helps us to see past our symptoms and, and, and challenges us to get right to the heart of our illness and disease. We're going to engage these gods. And we're going to engage in the war that we find ourselves dealing with in our lives. And we're also going to create the opportunity, I pray, to turn our hearts back to the one God who loves us unconditionally. We'll begin with our understanding of image. We are created in the image of God. We are here today because someone in our lives reflected God's image to us. We were drawn to it and attracted to it. We wanted to be part of it. And, and we praise the Lord for the opportunity that we came to become a child of his through the blood of Jesus Christ. We also each have stories of times when the reflection in our lives was not so clear. When the war that waged within us was not so obvious. Dr. Doug Van Est uh, wrote worship, or writes, worship that is focused on our own desires, preferences, and experiences 
and produce malformed disciples who perceive and project God according to their own image. Worship that is faithfully centered on who God is and what God has done will transform us as God's people to reflect the image of Christ. So there's two images that we see in our lives look in the mirror. We either see God or we see ourselves. And what image we see should communicate to us the object of our worship. Is it God or is it us? The conversation we're going to have is not about statues or physical idols, but rather the gods that ordinary identities are often ignored and forgotten. The the, the gods that we're going to talk about aren't, aren't seen in statues of gold or wooden totem poles or Asherah poles we read about in Scripture. They're not even recognized as gods at all in many many instances. Our kneeling and bowing is not a physical act, but a spiritual act done with our hearts, our minds, our checkbooks, our smartphones, our televisions, our calendars. And if we're honest, God will help us to see that underneath most of the symptoms with which we struggle, we'll find a God that we've given position in our lives and our hearts. It begins simply. Well, how much simply can it get than with this idea of pizza? Now, that's a big left-hand turn, I understand, but stay with me. It'll make sense over the several weeks we have together. Because I love pizza. Am I alone in that? I, think, I, think, I don't think I'm alone in that. Most kids in elementary school, when their teacher asks them what's their favorite food, they'll write down pizza. Now, you might have that kid occasionally that writes tuna tetrazzini, and he's kind of weird, and we all know that. But most kids put pizza. Now, that's, that's a pretty profound statement. I love pizza. How many would say you love pizza? There we go. Amen. A lot of you love pizza. For those of you who don't, you're really not being honest today. But that's okay. It's a simple statement. Yet beneath the surface, or rather I should say inside the box, it's a much more powerful statement. See, I love pizza, sort of. I love pizza with kind of a slightly sweet but flavorful sauce. Sauce that goes all the way to the end. I don't like a lot of crust on the end of my pizza. You might like stuffed crust, but I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't, it's all right. A stuffed crust is like a big old breadstick. That's not really pizza. But that's just my opinion. So I, I like pizza, but I don't like pizza with mushrooms on it or olives. Ugh. Sardines, really? Who thought of that? You may like that. So when you say you love pizza and I say I love pizza, it means different things. Now, did you know in Ohio, I've been doing a little bit of research, there's an Ohio-style pizza. Did you know that? We know there's New York-style, there's Chicago-style, there's even Detroit-style, but did you know there's Ohio-style pizza? You probably didn't even realize it, but Ohio-style pizza typically is defined by a a flat crust, a thinner flat crust. They'll often put cornmeal on the bottom of the crust to prevent the thin crust from burning. The the toppings and the sauce go edge to edge, so there's no extra crust on the end with nothing to kind of help it along. And, and, And I love when the toppings go all the way to the edge. And it's often party cut. You know what party cut pizza is? Little rectangle strips you can kind of pick up and eat at the party. So, um, but more popular now is kind of the square cut. I like going in local pizza places. We've only been here a few short months, but we've found Buckeye Family Pizza. We like that. There's others we like in town as well. But I like Buckeye Pizza. I got a chance to go there this week. Took my family there not too long ago. My son, he had a real fit. We walked in, and, and the first thing he saw was Brutus, the Buckeye, there on the wall. He's like, we can't eat here. That's Buckeye food. Now, granted, he grew up in West Virginia. So for him, it was a really, it was a really, it was a tough moment. 
See, he got mad at us because we wouldn't leave, and he sat at his own table. But that's beside the point. I said, I need to tone down the rhetoric, I guess. <laughs> but, but we really enjoyed that. And I went this week. Each week, I'm going to go to a different pizza place to help prepare me for this series. So I'm doing that for you, just so you know. So every week, I'm going to go for, out for pizza. This week, I went to Bagger Family Pizza. There's my pizza that I had, edge-to-edge toppings. It was great. I took about half of it home. Yeah, not a little less than half of it home. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. Uh, for, for leftovers, and the leftovers didn't last long. I, I like the meat lovers. That's kind of my favorite. Um, I, I, have, I don't mind veggies here and there, but come on, it's pizza. I want it to really taste good. So that's my preference. That's what I like. So when I say I love pizza, you're, you're going to get an idea of what it is I really like. I'm going to share each week with you the, the pizza that I try, what I like about it, what I don't like about it. I'm going to get too negative. I don't want anybody watching us online and thinking I'm disparaging their products. Not about that. Rather, the point I want to make is the statement that I love pizza has limits or has boundaries that I've placed on it. Now, let me help you make this connection, what I'm wanting to communicate and what we're going to talk about each week. And, and I hope this makes sense. See, but my love for pizza, it, it's It's conditional. How many of you say that you love Jesus? Yeah, a few of you. Good. I'm glad. You're in the right. If you don't love Jesus, well, you're in the right place whether you do or whether you don't. We're glad you're here. I love Jesus. And I've got a favorite style of Jesus that I love. As long as it looks a certain way, as long as the music's a certain type, as long as they get done in 30 minutes or less which I don't, so hopefully you don't mind waiting on good pizza here. Stay with me. It's kind of a, maybe on the surface, silly illustration. But each week as we talk about this, I want God to show to us our preferences and our desires and our likes. If we're not careful, very quickly become idols. We show up every Sunday dragging our idols with us, wondering why life's not getting better. And we look at someone and says, well, I can't believe they don't like pizza from Benny's. I can't believe they, they wouldn't rather have pizza from Pies and Pints or East of Chicago or Giovanni's or the OP. And you're kind of following with me, right? We'll clean this up later. And we end up with all of these boxes of different styles and... We can't figure out why we have these disagreements or why we can't get along and because we put our Jesus in this box. And this is our favorite. This is what we like. This is the pizza we love. Or this is the pizza we serve. If you don't like this kind of pizza, then, well, you don't really love Jesus. We don't say that out. We never say it out loud. Because sometimes we say it with our actions or, or our inactions. And all the while, it's just a symptom because what's underneath are these idols that have taken hold of our lives and get in the way of us being who Jesus Christ wants us to be to a world who desperately needs him. That they're, as we sang last week, they're dying for him, literally. 
So as we talk about pizza, I hope that God helps us connect the dots. And I don't know why he gave that to me, but it's going to be fun as we enjoy it. So here's the thing. I've heard from a few what your favorite pizza place is, and I've taken note of that. If you have one you haven't shared, let me know by the end of the service. I'd like to try that out. Next week, Josh and I are going on a little road trip. We're going to Bell Fountain, I think, to a place called 600. Get that right? So I've got there's a few people. Woo, amen. I heard some amens out there. Maybe you have a favorite that's, that's kind of nearby. I want to go try them out. Again, for your spiritual growth, I'm willing to do that. Okay? <laughs> because <laughs> I love you that much <laughs> I love you that much I do love you this much to have uncomfortable conversations God I we really we really wrestled this week the way that we close today and the way that we're going to close over the course of this series you're going to realize how much he and I have wrestled with this so if we're not careful if, if, if it's not image, the image of God that we reflect, we begin to take on the reflection of the gods that we have allowed into our lives. Let me jump back to Exodus a little bit where we'll kind of connect some of these dots. Exodus chapter 20, and we, we know in Exodus that Moses, God sent Moses to, to Egypt to, to rescue God's people that had been in slavery and captivity for 400 years, and, and God uses Moses to lead his people out of Egypt and on the way to the promised land and as they're on their way, we begin to realize, and if you haven't thought about this, but up until this point, there really had not been any guidelines given that one was to follow in order to walk in a relationship with God. We just know that Noah was found to be righteous in God's sake because Noah was obedient. We just know that Abraham was righteous in God's sake because Abraham, when God told him to go and pack up everything you have and leave and follow me, Abraham did that. There really hasn't been any guidelines or, or, or rules or laws or, or, or measures of what this looks like up until this point. Now God has this great nation of people in the middle of nowhere who need some help. So he calls Moses up onto the mountaintop, and, and, and Joshua goes with Moses and stays at a distance as God is meeting with Moses. And God gives to Moses the direction that his people need in order to walk in a relationship with him. They need the boundaries because up until this point, they have failed at doing it on their own. And in failing to do it on their own, they start to create their own gods. They drag around their idols. And here they find themselves after 400 years of not having even heard from God being introduced to him in a very powerful way. And God meets with Moses. And in Exodus chapter 20, God gives to Moses what we know as the Ten Commandments. Again, for many, they think that that's a kind of an irrelevant or outdated idea. But in these Ten Commandments, they are still profoundly powerful for us today. We see God begin to show people, give them these ideas, these warning systems, if you will, of how to not become like other nations. And we see in verse 3 of chapter 20, the very first commandment, you shall have no other gods before me. Because I'm your creator. You're created in my image. And what God is saying in this moment is if, if you have another God before me, then, then you're choosing your image over mine and, and you're failing to realize how much I love you and you're separating yourself from me. And I don't want that, God says. That's always going to lead to death. Separation from God always leads to death. And he gets to, to, to the second commandment. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. God says not only can you not worship something else, don't go and make yourself an image of something else to worship. Now for us that sounds kind of silly. Well, I would never do that. 
We might have had posters of, of bands or of athletes in our rooms growing up, but I would never do that. I have this tub of baseball cards in, in my basement, and I used to collect those things, and some they were so precious, I'd put them in little plastic cases and sleeves because they were, they were valuable. They were kind of my heroes and my stars. I still, to this day, I can swing the bat like Willie Stargell. Okay, because that was one of, I, he was my hero, I looked up to him, he was, but I got to the point where I could imitate him, and that was really close to this idea of, of worship. We start to reflect or take on their image rather than the image of the one who's created us. It's very easy to fall into this trap and say, well, that can't be me. But God's saying, I'm not going to allow anything to come between you and me. Nothing between creator and creation. And when we make or bow down or worship anything ahead of God, we distort his image. We create this separation. Now for the next 11 chapters in Exodus, God has given to Moses all of the commands and the laws and the guidelines and the boundaries which the people are supposed to live. And can you see Moses writing it all down? He can't keep up. Thankfully, God did it for him. And he writes all of these things on the two stone tablets and on the back, and they're just covered and Moses takes the stone tablets and begins to head back down to the people. And read in Exodus chapter 32, the people had gotten restless. Moses has been up there a long time. Not really that long, but in their mind, a long time. And they get a little nervous. And Scripture tells us in verse 1 of Exodus 32, And the people saw that Moses was so long in coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said, Come, make us gods who will go before us. How quickly they forget the parting of the Red Sea or the, the manna from heaven or the water from the rock. Come make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who brought us out of Egypt, we don't even know what's happened to him. And what we see is as a people who have wandered and who really don't know who God is and they don't realize in whose image they've been created and they ask Aaron, make for us a God that we can worship. Aaron gathers the gold and the earrings, the jewelry in the camp, and he crafts for them this golden calf, this golden cow. And there's a portion of the people that go crazy. Because now they can see who they're worshiping. This golden calf who can do nothing for them, who can't save them, who can't feed them, who can't do anything for them. They just go nuts. They lose their senses, Scripture tells us. How quickly the people have turned. After all they've seen and experienced, they still could say needed more. They said they wanted something else. But the reality is the golden calf was an expression of their desire to pursue their own image of life. They didn't want to follow Moses. They wanted to do it their way. They wanted their own pizza. And I've become convinced that while we may not literally bow before golden calves, we do drag with us the idols and the statues and the false gods of our lives and our culture every day. It weighs us down, but we can't imagine letting go. Fast forward a little bit. Moses has now gone, he's passed away, he's gone to be with God, and Joshua has taken over. Don't forget that Joshua was on the mountain with Moses. Joshua, as, he came, as Moses came down the mountain, Joshua was there and saw what had happened. He'd, he was a witness to the encounter of God and Moses. And so Joshua has a different perspective. And, and at the end of Joshua's book, Joshua chapter 24, Joshua is, is uh, giving his farewell address to the people. And he begins by letting people know, remind them all the things that God has done for them. 
kind of this testimony, this recounting of God's goodness in verses 1 through 13. How God has been with them, and he's brought them so far, and he's given them victory, and he's given them this land that he had chosen for them. And we get to verse 14, and Joshua says this, Now fear the Lord, and serve him with all faithfulness. And still, after all this time, he has to say this, Throw away the gods your ancestors worshipped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt, and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day who you will serve, whether the God of your ancestors or the God of the Amorites. But then he gets to this verse that many of you perhaps have hanging up in your house. But as for me and my household, Joshua says, we will serve the Lord. See, Joshua gives him this multiple choice. He says, we are all worshipers by creation. We are worshipful beings. We are called to worship. Who we worship is a choice that we have to make. We can worship the gods of our ancestors. Many of us still do that today. We can worship the god of the Amorites, the people in whose land we now live. Or we can worship God himself, the one true God. What we see in Joshua's list, though, is there is no none of the above. We are all worshipful beings by by creation. And the choice we have, then, is who do we worship? For those who may claim to be atheists as if they don't believe in God, philosopher Peter Kreft explains that away with this statement. The opposite of theism is not atheism. It's idolatry. We replace God with something else. Something else becomes the object of our worship. And Joshua exhorts the people that we identify the gods at war for our hearts. And when we identify them, now we can fight them. So if we haven't identified them yet, it's hard to know who it is that we're battling. Begins to ask them questions. What disappoints you? Disappointment often reveals where we've put our hope. Where we put our hope reveals the God that we worship. What is it you sacrifice your time and your money for? Well, this is reinforced by idea of service. The word serve appears seven times as Joshua speaks to the Israelites in Joshua 24. Who or what you serve is revealed by how you spend your time and your money. Where do you go when you're hurt? Our responses to the hurts in our lives reveals much about the focus of our worship. Where is it that we go for comfort? Do you go to Facebook? Do you go to a friend? Or do you go to God? Joshua says, identify the gods that are battling for your heart. Then make a choice. Choose, Joshua says. The verb tense used in this, in this verse indicates that Joshua is saying, I choose and I will keep choosing. It's not just a one-time choice, it's a continual choice. In verse 19, we, we, we find out that Joshua reveals that, that God is holy and he's jealous. And this communicates to us that God will not share the hearts of his people with false gods. He doesn't like to share especially those he so lovingly created. In verse 23, again, he reminds them, throw away the foreign gods that are among you and yield your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. Now, Joshua knows his people. So as he's telling them all this, here's what the people say. We will, Joshua, we'll do that. We'll throw away our false gods. And here's what Joshua says. <laughs> I've lived with you all my life. I know you. No, you won't. He tells them that. You won't. You won't do it. Then people said, oh, yes, we will. You can hold us accountable. You are witnesses against yourselves, Joshua says. We want to be sincere in this commitment. 
And there becomes this beautiful thing that God gives us we find in the midst of community is accountability. Loving each other and holding each other up. Questioning when we start to wander. We don't question anybody today. Why? We don't want to offend anybody. We're afraid they might leave or go get their pizza at another church. Let's be honest for a moment. And I'm sorry, that's not what I'm about. I love you too much to watch you drag those false gods behind And we're no different than God's people then. And God is telling us, I, I know you so well. I've been with you all your life. And no, you won't. It's not that you don't want to. It's that you can't do it on your own. But good news, we don't have to. God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to redeem us and the Holy Spirit to walk with us and to help us. He's given us one another to encourage and to support, not to condemn or to judge. Maybe that's where we've gone wrong to lovingly lift one another up. To encourage each other to throw away the foreign gods that are among us. To get past the cough syrup. To deal with the disease that's really taken root in our hearts. Perhaps you've been drinking the medicine for a long time. And all you're doing is you're trying to treat this difference between God's image and our own with syrup that's just masking the symptom. This idea of confession, we're going to use it this morning as we close. And we're going to end on an encouraging note. As we close today, as you come and receive your elements for communion, we have a board on each side. There's one on the back as well. You can use either of the three today or over the next six weeks together. I just hope that the Lord's working and speaking. Maybe you don't know what it is yet, but God's kind of doing something in your heart. As you receive the elements for communion, I also want you to be able to take communion without anything between you and God. You might be willing to confess, here's the idol I'm struggling with. Here's the war that's been waging within me. I've got to be honest, Tuesday I wasn't going to do this part. I thought, oh, that's too hard, that's too, that's too challenging. I don't really want to people in that position. And God said, well, that's not your idea, that's mine. And I don't, I'm not trying to make it hard, but I don't want it to be easy. Perhaps it's been too easy for us for too long. Maybe you're thinking, well, I can't do that. I can't let others see what battles I'm struggling with? What might they think? Well, that's pride, and that's the God of me, and we'll, we'll get to that one in a few weeks. But it's important for us to understand where we've come from. In the very beginning, created in the image of God, because this understanding helps us acknowledge where we are. It helps us to see the other images we pursue, and the gap between the image of God and the image in which we're pursuing Today is filled by the grace of God. That's where Jesus comes into the picture. He bridges that gap between where we are and where God wants us to be. For God so loved that he gave his one and only son, that he was part of the hour that we see in Genesis 1.26. Jesus was there at the very beginning, and Jesus is here now as the grace to bridge the gap. 
So grace is our focus as we conclude this first part of our conversation. Just a few moments, and I'm going to have a word of prayer, and I'm going to invite you to come and receive the elements for communion. And once of all have received, and we'll partake together. But this is just one more step in the battle that we're fighting. Becoming aware of the separation between us and the one in whose image we are created. And understanding that he's provided a way to bridge that separation through his son Jesus. I invite you to stand with me. And know that all are welcome at the table. All are welcome to partake. We believe that this is an opportunity for God to speak. Not in itself, communion itself does not save us, but it can be an opportunity for God, a means of God's grace to enter into our lives. It's also a recognition that, Lord, you're the one I want to worship. You're the focus of my life. As you come and receive, if, if perhaps God's put something on your heart you need to be accountable for and to confess, I encourage you to write it down. It could be a symbol, it could be a word, it could be a sentence. It's, it's, up to, it's between you and him, just something that says, you know what, yeah, I need some help with this. Maybe as you leave, you're more comfortable writing on our back wall, on, on our chalk wall. You're welcome to do that as well. We'll have these boards out every week. Maybe it's something you still have to figure out. But as we partake in God's grace today, remembrance of his grace, Let's do so with nothing between us this morning. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you, Lord, for difficult conversations. For those talks, Lord, where you dig a little bit deeper, you help us to see, Lord, what separates. Where, God, you also remind us of what's brought us together. Where, Lord, you, you help us, those, Lord, who perhaps are walking in step with you the way we should be, worshiping you, Lord, with a pure heart. Lord, we can celebrate that, not because of anything that we've done, because of who you are and what you've done. And we continue to be a people that pray for and care for one another, to intercede for one another, Lord, as Moses did. In Exodus chapter 31. God, I pray for the battles that are being waged right now. Lord, we're really good at justifying. We're really good at excuses. We're really good, God, at even explaining it away. But the symptoms will persist. The disease will keep spreading. And God, we'll just keep drifting further and further from you. Today, Lord, we take a step towards you. We remember, Lord, what it is Jesus Christ did for us. We're reminded, God, of, of the power of grace and, and all the grace, Lord, can cover and can redeem and can forgive. Lord, this part of our worship is time of remembrance. We couple it with confession. May it turn the tides of the wars going on in our lives. Point us back in the right direction. Help us, Lord, to hear your voice, to respond obediently. 
allow you to draw us back to you. In Jesus' name we pray. I invite you now to come and receive our communion elements beginning in the back and your way forward. Once everyone has received, then we'll partake together. The bread reminds us of the body of Christ and models for us the image in which we were created and who it is we are to reflect. Let us take, eat, and remember this body was broken for us. It's an invitation for us to reflect the life of Christ. The cup represents the blood of Christ. The blood that covers the gap between the created image in which we were made the image that we now perhaps pursue. It's a gap we can never surpass or bridge or fix on our own. Only through the blood of Christ. As we drink, let us remember God's grace is sufficient. Father, we thank you. It's not a message of condemnation or judgment. It's one of good news. It's one of recognition. It's one of acknowledgement. It's one, Lord, that if left on our own, we would be hopeless. But we're not. Because our hope is found in the blood of Jesus, the transformative power of the Holy Spirit. This Trinity, Lord, that we worship, that was present in the garden in Genesis chapter 1 when we were created in the image of God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Lord, we thank you for the battles that have been won today. Lord, we also acknowledge there's still more battles being fought. Help us, Lord. When we say we love you, as purest, simplest form, you are all that matters. Everything else is just a topping. Help us to keep what's important, focus. Or live our lives in such a way that people are attracted to the image of you that they see. Be with us, Lord, as we continue into this conversation. There perhaps will be some challenging days. not intended for our harm, Lord, but rather for our good. Restore us, Lord, I pray, into the good creation that you first saw back in the garden. Help us to reflect Jesus through the power of your Holy Spirit to become who you created us to be. It's in Jesus' name we pray this morning. Amen. Now then, throw away the foreign gods among you, Yield your hearts to the Lord Most High. God bless you. Have a great day.